To much is given, much more is required. Much more is required. My life and the life of all the pastors here at Calvary, those in full-time ministry, much more is required of them. And they ever fell into sin, God would bring judgment upon them according to their knowledge and according to the way they've given themselves to Christ. And this is why Paul was so strict. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today's lesson continues our study of 1 Timothy, zeroing in on the specific requirements for those serving in church ministry. Roll will challenge you to hold yourself to a high standard of holiness. In today's passage, he'll show us that even if we're not called to be pastors, we have the daily opportunity to honor God with our obedience. With today's study, here's Raul Reese. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Because as you notice here this evening, that in chapter 3, it's all about ministry. He's going to speak about bishops. He's going to speak about elders. He's going to speak about deacons. This whole thing in the church. Qualifications. But in the ministry, it is hard finding such people. Believe it or not. Very hard. To find people that want to be dedicated to the Lord. People that are willing to sacrifice to the Lord. People that really love other people. People that study God's word. People that are going to instruct people. They're going to teach them. The simplicity, not of the gospel, but if they're having problem situations, they're going to pray for them, they're going to communicate with them, and they're going to be in a place where those people will be thankful for the things you tell them biblically in the Word of God. That's of importance to me. And this is what Paul is trying to do in this third chapter. He's trying to teach us that this is what God desires. And so it's interesting that here Paul, as he begins verse 1, he begins by saying, this is a faithful saying. Which means what? You better pay attention. Five times he uses the word faithful in Timothy and in Titus. Because it's a very important word that he's trying to give to us. It means trustworthy. Are you trustworthy that God can trust you? What is given to you, the Word of God. You see, if you don't pray, if you don't really study, then you're not really trustworthy. You can't be. How can God trust you when you don't even know how to read the Word of God? And Paul wanted to make sure they understood. This is a true saying. If any man desires the position, see, it's a position of what? A bishop, an overseer. Overseeing what? The ministry. Overseeing the flock of God. That not only has been appointed by the Lord, but caring and taking care, and not only being not aggressive, but being gentle and loving and kind when you take care of God's people. That's important. Because if you're always putting down people, how are they going to learn, and how are they going to love you and care for you? 
If a man desires, so if you desire a position in the church, you really have to pray about it. Do you really desire for stature or are you desire to be a servant? Do you really want to serve? And I think that Paul's very clear. He says, if a man desires the position, you see, it's the position of a bishop, overseer, he desires a good work. It's great to desire that. I wrote a couple of things on. One who takes oversight and are over 55 years old. In that culture, to be an overseer, you have to be 55 years and over to be an overseer. Bishop, it identifies a man who are responsible to lead the church, according to 1 Timothy 5.17, 1 Thessalonians 5.12, and Hebrews 13.7. Pastors, overseers, elders are responsible... Notice, to lead, to preach, to teach the church. Very important. Those are the qualifications. And so when you're, not only when you're sitting in the church like you're sitting here today, if you desire to be a bishop, you desire to be an overseer, then you need to start praying and asking God that when you're ready to do that, that he'll open the door. And when he opens the door to much is given, much more is required of him. That's important. To much is given, much more is required. Much more is required. My life, in the life of all the pastors here at Calvary, those in full-time ministry, much more is required of them. And they ever fell into sin, God would bring judgment upon them according to their knowledge and according to the way they've given themselves to Christ. And this is why Paul was so strict. The qualifications of overseers. What does he say? Desires a good work. Verse 2. Qualifications. 15 qualifications. Number 1, he says, A bishop then must be, number 1, blameless. Blameless. Nobody can find fault in your life. Blameless. And that's important. Because that was the life of Christ. He was blameless. Does that mean we're perfect? No, we're not perfect. But we have the Holy Spirit to live in our lives. And the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in my life as a pastor, as a teacher, as an evangelist, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. All those titles. I have to be blameless. You have to be blameless in the kingdom of God. And if you want God to use your life even greater, the greater the blamelessness in your life has to be. It has to be that way. Secondly, husband of one wife. I know that this is a very touchy thing. I don't know if you've divorced someone before. I don't know your position. I don't know your circumstance, why you divorced. The one thing I have learned, that when you divorce, because we counsel a lot of people, By thinking that if I get rid of my husband or my wife, that I'm going to get a better situation by getting married to somebody else. But one thing we forget, whatever your problem was in your first marriage, you're going to take it into your second marriage. Unless the Lord does the work. Your husband was beating you. Your husband was committing adultery. Your wife, same thing. Then you have a legal right to separate. You have a legal right to divorce. And the Bible says what? To divorce. And when you get married in the Lord, 
You don't want to go from one miss to another miss. God hates divorce. He said that. He hates divorce. And I think it's of importance that we understand that the Bible is very clear. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. You see? For us. We need to learn how to die to self. That's very hard. And I talk to myself too. I'm not, you're not just the only ones. Us, all of us. And I think that when you look at the scriptures, as he's saying here, the husband of one wife, you want to be in leadership? That's what he says. And then he says, temperate. Notice what he says, temperate here. Temperate means alert or watchful. To be watchful. Sober-minded. A man that is disciplined. You discipline your life. You know exactly what you're doing. You don't want to get yourself in trouble, but you want people to see that you have a disciplined life. And here he speaks about being temperate. And then he says, sober-minded. Sober-minded. And again, that's something that we all need to be sober-minded, of good behavior, not living disorderly your life, but orderly. So here Paul wants to make sure this is leadership. If you want to be in leadership, these are the qualifications that he talks about here. Sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, lover of strangers, lover of strangers, able to teach. That's good. Able to teach. That is to be not only in a position of teaching, but learning how to teach. And that you're teachable. When somebody comes to you, you can what? You can learn from them. Especially being a leader, I want to learn from my leaders. Because I want to be a great leader. And so when you learn from your leaders, you learn from your pastor, deacon, or bishop, whatever it is, you're going to use those things that you've learned to teach others how you learn so they can learn. He goes on, verse 3. Not giving to wine. That's another big one. You can't drink and be an elder or a bishop or a deacon. You can't do that. And by the way, it's not only them. The Bible forbids drinking. Be you not drunk with wine. And you know, that's something that in the church today is seen among leaders, among sheep, among lambs. That alcohol has become a big possessor of people's lives. But he makes an emphasis not only here later on, on drinking again. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. For biblical resources to support and direct your walk with the Lord, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. You'll also want to join Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Now let's get back to more of today's lesson. He goes on. Not violent, that means not given to blows in the Greek, not given to beating up on people. Not greedy for money. That's another one. Keeping up with the Joneses. But I think as believers, we have to be moderate. My philosophy is, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. You don't want to get yourself in a financial bind. Well, they'll take your car, they'll take your house, and then you have nowhere to go. No bank account, nothing. You got to be content in what God has given to you. 
and enjoy what God has given to you. You'll have peace in your life. You won't be uptight. You won't be jealous of people. So Paul here is bringing us some pretty incredible issues. Not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle. Gentle, he says here. Quick to forgive. Gracious and quick to forgive. That's what he says there. Gentle. Again, not to be quick to forgive, which we want to hold grudges. No, uh, uh, uh. you got to forgive. And if you're having problems with forgiveness, spend time with God. Reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, and being honest. And maybe some of you have something against someone in this church, or someone in your neighborhood, or someone in your family. Because we are believers, because God has forgiven us, and we're supposed to have love, and we're supposed to forgive people, then maybe we need to go to them and say, you know what, I have nothing against you. If I've done something else, please forgive me. And guess what? You're going to have peace in your life. God's going to have to deal with them. I was in a situation like that. Three times I went to that person. I'm sorry if I've done something to you. Forgive me. And they did. But I, what? I forgave them for whatever I did. I forgive them completely. Quick to forgive. Quarrelsome. One who does not promote notice himself. Or coming to a place that doesn't make peace. But you're quarrelsome. Not covetous. There's another one. Not covetous, not greedy for money. The second time he says that. Not greedy for money and now not covetous. Greedy for money. Verse 4. One who rules his house well. Underlying that one for all of us. One who rules his house well. Which means you're blameless. Your kids are ruled well by you. You can't have crazy kids. Here he's talking about one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission. Submission. You can't have wild Indians. If you allow them to destroy your house, you'll never get invited anywhere. I promise you that. It's important that we understand what Paul is trying to declare here. He has authority over his home. And the word submission there, it means the word is a metaphor word referring to soldiers, notice, ranked under authority. Chain of command. I'm an authority to the general. I'm an authority to the lieutenant. I am authority to the captain and the vice. I mean, just all the way down. Authority being in submission. You're the husband. You're the mother. Your children in submission to the father, to the wama. And then to grandma, grandpa, whoever it is, learning how to be in submission with all what? Reverence. With all reverence. Verse 5. For if a man does now know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? If I don't know how to rule my house, how can you be a bishop? How can you be an elder? How can you actually oversee God's people And rule over God's people when you don't really know how to take care of your own home. As an elder, as a pastor, and whoever in position, we're taking care of the church. Who's the church? You guys. 
We're the church, not this building. We are the church. Taking care of you, that's our duty to do that as teachers and pastors. Verse 6. Not a novice, one that's a new convert. They haven't learned. They're brand new coming out of the world. They're going to Bible study. They're learning. They're getting convicted. They're not mature. They don't have enough time as a Christian to be in authority under some church or to actually be in, in some office. They can't be an officer. They can't do that. He goes on. Let's be puffed up. He'll get proudful with pride. He fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Satan fell from heaven. Why? One word. Pride. Pride. He fell all the way down. All the way down. I wrote a couple of things here. For example, Satan, he slanders. He's uh, fierce, deceitful. He's powerful. He's proud. He's wicked. And we as Christians have to watch against the devil. We have to fight against the devil. We have to resist the devil. We have to overcome the devil. These are things as believers. And here Paul is declaring, he says, and not a novice less, being puffed up with pride, notice, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Pride as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. Who's outside? Your neighbors. Those that you work with. Those that you play with. You got to have a good testimony. Again, I say it, verse 7. Moreover, he or she must have a good testimony among those who outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare. Again, the devil, a leader. Is to what? To be blameless in the church. He has to have a good reputation in his neighborhood. A good reputation in the church. Among his friends. Very important. And then you don't fall into the snares of the devil himself. Verse 8. Likewise. Now the deacons. Deacons must be reverent. Not double tongued. Notice saying something to someone and then something else to somebody else. Not given to much wine, again drinking, much wine. Not greedy for money, almost the same thing he told the bishops. He says, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. That is that Christ comes in the body of flesh. We recognize that Jesus Christ, the deity of Christ, we recognize it. And we have faith. Because we believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And because I believe in Him, because I am a child of God, I used to have my conscience full of guilt. But because I've come to Christ, I have a pure conscience. A pure conscience. Because I repent of anything and everything that I do against Him. My conscience has to be clear. He goes on. Verse 10. But let these be also first be tested. Notice the deacons, before they get that position, they got to be tested. Giving them the opportunity of ministry, but first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons. Being found, again, blameless. Anybody involved in ministry at the church has to be blameless. If he's going to serve as an usher, as a deacon, as a bishop, as a pastor... In the bookstore, whoever it is, 
You got to have people that are trusted. People that are not going to come here on Sunday mornings and get a position of whatever you're doing in the church and then find out you've been drinking on the weekend or you have a girlfriend or you have a boyfriend, whatever it is, and then it brings shame to the church. He says, them serve as deacons being found blameless. Verse 11. Likewise, he says, their wives must be reverent. So women, you have a great job to do too. You can't poison your husbands. You have to love your husband. You back them up in what they're doing. Back them up in their job. You back them up if they're involved in church. He goes on. This is important, verse 13. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves, again, here it is, a good standing, great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Great service to God brings you to great places in the ministry of our Lord. Then the great mystery, verse 14 to 16 here, reveals the heart of the church's mission. These things, again, what we have just been taught in the previous verses. I write to you, Paul says, though I hope to come to you shortly. Paul always wanted to come to see these guys, but many times things would happen to Paul, and he would say, I'll see you guys next year. And many times at the end of his ministry, he says, I hope to get together with you. Like in the book of Acts chapter 20, he comes to that place where he's coming for the last time to meet with the elders. They're at Ephesus. And you read the whole chapter, it's just incredible, beginning in verse 17 all the way down to the last verse. And at the last verse, you see Paul getting on a ship. Before he gets on there, you see all of the guys that love him, all the leaders. They have their arms around him. They're on their knees praying, and they're all weeping because they'll never see Paul again, but in heaven. You see, when leaders are loved, it's so awesome that people love them. And then when we suffer, we all suffer. When we all go through things, we all go through things together. And Paul was such an incredible, incredible person with a great mission, with a great heart to love people and to love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to love His ministry. Well, we hope you've been challenged by today's reminder that even if God hasn't called you into full-time ministry, He has called you to honor Him with holiness and obedience. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Today's lesson is available in its complete unedited form for a donation of $5 or more. If you'd like to get a copy, just call us at 800-634-9165. And just mention today's lesson from 1 Timothy chapter 3. As you think about the practical changes you might need to make in your life, we'd like to equip you with a helpful resource. Rawls' book titled Doctrines, A Simplified Roadmap of Biblical Truth, will solidify your faith with a grounding look at God's unconditional love and merciful plan of salvation. You'll also learn how to avoid dead-end false theology that could hinder your journey with the Lord. To order Rawls' book titled Doctrines, A Simplified Roadmap of Biblical Truth, Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your copy for $10 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. You can also order this resource by writing us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, 
Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Don't forget, this is a listener-supported ministry, which means we depend upon your faithful contributions. Every tax-deductible gift helps us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for making us a part of your day today. It's always a privilege to study the Word of God with you, and we invite you to join us next time for more scriptural truths that will direct you in God's ways. Now here's Rawl with a closing comment. Verse 15, If I'm delayed, he says, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself, how you ought to live, your behavior. He says, In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So here God's possession is His bride. We are His bride. The church has become His bride. And one day the bride of Christ is going to stand before Him. That's each one of us individually. One day we're going to appear in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to make sure that we worship Him, the living God, that requires a living faith. Faith is so important for each one of us individually. The conclusion, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the heathen, Gentiles, believed in the world, and check this out, and received up into glory. Received up into glory on the Mount of Olives as he descended and as he ascended to heaven. One day, we're going to see him coming back again. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.